looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Mmm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm -mm Mmm-mm-mm. Don't mess with me, I'm one crazy mofo. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any other films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. This brand is truly exciting and so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. Soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day and special seasonal gift sets. But also let's not forget large orders for party favours by request. 
The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out, please feel free to visit littlebeansopery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email littlebeansopery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sends you. Hey there, it's Alan Troutman, Tarman from Return of the Living Dead. And if there's anybody you should listen to, it's me about listening to Crazy Train Radio. Go do it. Go away. Do it now. This next guest is or I should say, was born and bred in a great city of Brooklyn, New York, and then moved down to Miami Beach at the beginning of ninth grade, where things progressed for him as he began acting under the direction of famed drama teacher Jay Jensen. This gentleman on the interview line right now has a BA in physics and drama. Interesting combination from St. Louis at Washington University, as well as an MFA or Masters in Fine Arts for our stummies in acting from the California Institute of Arts, where he has also met his better half, as most would say, his wife, Diane. According to the internet, because we know everything is true. What, what, what? He began his puppetry career working on the letter people at a public TV station, KETC, where he performed in all 16 15-minute episodes. Since he skipped class, we don't recommend that, folks, to attend the tapings on Friday. He is best known for being cast as Tar Man, the iconic zombie from Return of the Living Dead and Return of the Living Dead 2. His time also working for the Jim Hedson Company and the Muppets, as well as the puppeteer for Fran St. Clair from the ABC TV series, Dinosaurs. Let's welcome Mr. Alan Trotman. Well, thank you. Wow, you really uh, do your research. <laughs> well, thank you and good night. <laughs> now, I had to do a little homework, you know, not the same old usual yeah. stuff. Wow, so, well done. Thank you. First and foremost, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you, man? No complaints. Nobody listens anyway. Whereabouts <laughs> are you right now in the country? You like that, didn't you? Yeah, I'm in uh, California. I live uh, in uh, northern uh, L.A. County. Um, so I'm enjoying the triple digit <laughs> temperature as much as I can. Just well, I got to ask because I have a joke with it. You yeah. mentioned a triple digit uh, temperature. Is there humidity out there? Because you're a Northeast guy like myself. Yeah, no, not a lot. It's uh, usually somewhere in the 20s or 30s, 20, 30% here. So it's usually pretty dry. Okay. Yeah. So it's more of a dry heat then, huh? Yeah. 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 Because that joke that I usually reference is a, uh, I had some friends living in Phoenix at the time. This Uh was years ago. Why don't you come out? It's only a dry heat. It's not humid. 
I said, yeah, so is my oven, but you don't see me sticking my head in it. Yeah. Yeah. Triple digits is still pretty hot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, now that we've done our uh, weather uh, channel update, uh, <laughs> each coast. Uh, so I want to start somewhere where I mentioned in the introduction, as far as born in Brooklyn, moved yeah. to Miami. I know this sounds like a silly question, but what was the reason for the family to move uh, southbound? Oh, uh, my uh, dad uh, was a musician. He was a professional trombone player uh, back in the days of the big bands, essentially. Um, and um, we, uh, this was in the late 60s. We were living in Brooklyn and he was doing... Uh, he was doing recording sessions um, and he was doing some Broadway, you know, working in the pit, in the pit orchestra, in the pit band. And um, at that time, uh, New York was seeing the beginning of a really awful crime wave. Um, musicians uh, are leaving sessions and getting their their axes stolen. And it's just, it was, he decided that it just wasn't um, where he wanted to live anymore. Uh, so he, we moved to Florida where his uh, brother lived. And um, he st immediately started working on the, uh, the old Jackie Gleason show, not the, uh, not the sitcom, the, uh, the variety show that he had in, that was taped in Florida. Um, so uh, I, obviously went with the family and um uh that's i you know i went to junior i went to like one year junior high or middle school and then three years of high school uh while we lived in miami beach uh, are you an only child or no no i have an older brother okay so it was one of those i guess we should take alan with us kind of deal huh <laughs> yeah yeah my brother wasn't too happy about it because he was three and a half years older than i was and he was like too cool to hang out with his parents and all of a sudden it's like oh i got nobody but my parents here oh so. like you said i love how we throw the yiddish in occasionally yeah yeah <laughs> uh, so obviously i mentioned in the introduction that you got your start acting in school and all and met mr jensen and whatnot what was it about him that kind of attracted you to him in terms of let me give this a shot. Um, I um, I hadn't done much theater before high school. Uh, so uh, I think I did like one play in elementary school and the teacher was very encouraging, you know, that type of thing. And I just thought it would be kind of fun. And I was just a real, I, I was terrible at sports and just a real geek. So um, uh, <laughs> the theater department seemed like the, the logical place for me. Uh, but he was a real champion of developing you as an individual, letting, in, letting you find your space and, and develop your voice as a performer. And um, uh, I don't know how he did it. I, I, you know, I don't remember the details. I just remember always feeling like it was not only a, a safe space, but uh, an encouraging place to, to, to practice, to, to, 
to find out who I was as a, as a performer. And, um, you know, I still have so many friends from, from that, uh, from those few years I spent at that school. Um, some of my longest term friendships are from, from that, that era. And uh, he, he turned out, he, um, he was like saving money his whole life. He just lived very simply somehow or other uh, later on in life, way after I, I guess after, after he retired, he donated like a million dollars to arts organizations in South Florida. I, I have no idea where, how he did that on a, on a teacher's salary. I'm not suggesting he embezzled, but, <laughs> um, but he was just an amazing, an amazing uh, teacher. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny as we progress here, Alan has done things like we said, puppeteer work. He's worked with Henson. Obviously, a lot of our fan base knows him from, as Tara Man. And it's funny that you said that in that previous answer, as far as trying to find yourself in a safe space. And it's funny, the few, there's been other actors and actresses I've talked to and people of the arts world. The reason I find it funny that you said that too, especially during that time of your life, high school and whatnot, not only were you trying to find yourself per se on the stage, but that's usually a time that most kids or teenagers are trying to find themselves as a person. You know, the teens in their twenties. Yeah. So it's like a double-edged sword there. Especially, uh, especially for high school kids, theater can, can sort of be like therapy. You know, <laughs> um, I guess a lot of uh, different uh, subjects could be like that. You know, there's creative writing and uh, um, uh, even even um, sports can be a, a form of, of therapy. If, you know, if you're that physical type, you know, you need that kind of that kind of release. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so many high school students are, are just trying to find themselves or trying to figure out who they are. And they're even trying on different identities. It's like, wow, what better place to try on different identities than in theater class? <laughs> exactly. And obviously moving forward, I mentioned you, the education background and all that, you, where you met your wife in school and, mm-hmm. but where, cause it's such a unique profession as far as puppeteering yeah so where does that come into the picture because obviously you went on to start with the leather people and advance from there where does the learning because it's not like it's something that stands out in a trade school Hmm, i don't want to try this yeah yeah i was um uh when i graduated high school i was like you know um all in on theater um but when I went to college, I, I, I thought kind of naively, uh, well, maybe it wasn't naive. May, I, I was being what I thought was realistic in saying, well, that was fun for high school, but it's not a profession. It's nothing I can count on as a, a, to earn a living. So um, I, I'd always been interested and good at, uh, science. I was like a, a student in pretty much everything. 
So is that so, where the physics comes in? Yeah. So I um, I start I declared a physics major as a freshman at Wash U, Washington University, and um, I spent my first year. I didn't do any theater until um, I think it might have been like the end of first year, the beginning of my sophomore year. I decided to do a um, a play. I decided to audition for a play again. I figured, all right, I, I got the lay of the land here. I, I, I feel that would be fun to get back to. As, I'm just going to fool around with it, just dabble a little bit. And um, uh, after a while, um, I, I, and you know, by a while, I mean a few months, <laughs> I realized, you know, I'm not sure I'm I'm cut out to just work in a lab the rest of my life or I, I couldn't I couldn't see myself as a, as a professional scientist, which is what I was training to be. I didn't quite know how I fit in there, but I sure as heck knew how I fit in in the theater department. Um, and so I decided to um, uh to pursue both. Um, I didn't want to, you know, I was halfway through my physics degree. I figured, all right, let me get the physics degree anyway. Um, but I added a major in uh, drama and it was just the very, I think it was the very first day I had decided to pursue drama professionally that I went up to the theater department um, uh, bulletin board. I was looking for work, you know, just to get a, job outside of school i thought well let's see what's casting around town because i knew there were there was some at least semi-professional theater and what do you know there was a posting there for the letter people this new educational show <clears throat> they were looking for people who could do voices uh with even if they haven't had puppetry experience um and i knew i could do all sorts of voices um, I used to, you know, all throughout high school, I would listen to a group called the, uh, the Fire Sign Theater. And uh, they were very popular in the late 60s, early 70s um, on LP. And it was a, basically a comedy group for guys who did all of these voices. And um, uh, so I, I decided to go audition for that. And I just discovered that it was something I was good at. <laughs> I had no idea. I had I'd never had a puppet on my hand in my life before the audition. And um, I got hired and uh, that sort of set me on the path there. Well, obviously there's a large gap. I'm just speaking in general terms here between the letter people and working for both the Muppets and Jim Henson here. <laughs> and yeah. even since letter peeper to now letter, yeah letter peeper to now it, it there's such a, an advancement in puppeteer work and technology so mm -hmm. this would be a good spot to ask us i think what has been the biggest advancement as far as from a technical standpoint in puppeteer work um well, um, at least uh, um, through the um, the Henson uh, company, um, you know, they were at the forefront through their creature shops of um, animatronic um, creatures. 
they did the uh, first um, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, and then they did Dinosaurs. Uh, and that's when I started working with them was, uh, well, it was the year before um, Dinosaurs, but um, I had uh, been working in LA for about 10 years before um, that opportunity came around. And so I learned how to do the, um, the animatronics using their proprietary uh, performance control system. And um, that was a, a major advance in puppetry there because it allowed one puppeteer to control a number of different uh, movements on a puppet that would in the past have taken a half a dozen puppeteers to do. Uh, but an even bigger uh, advancement came when uh, computer uh, graphics, computer generated imagery, you know, um, uh, allowed us to use that same control system, but instead of controlling an animatronic physical character, we can control a, a CG character, basically an animation, a cartoon character. And so that allowed us to do all sorts of things we could never do that, you know, would bound us to the physical world. <laughs> so we did shows like Sid the Science Kid, Splash and Bubbles, uh, which were all um, computer generated, um, but it's all puppeteered in real time. It's not, it's not done like traditional animation. And that's a, a, a real advance because you can get the, um, the cartooniness of uh, animation, um, but you can produce it in real time. So it's, uh, and, and you can interact instead of each voice actor showing up individually in the studio, you know, to record their part. A uh, director can actually set up shots and, and actors, puppeteers can, can react accordingly in real time. It's, it's quite the, um, uh, it's, it's quite a lot of fun and it's, uh, it, it allows a whole sort of new world of um, creative possibilities. Yeah. And for those who are familiar maybe with the show, but me in general, it, this will come as a shock because of something you mentioned there, project-wise, because I'm a bit of a hard ass in a good okay. way, though. Being that Northeast guy, as yeah, you yeah. say in the introduction, but <laughs> I have seen Splashing Bubbles because of a four-year-old niece. Oh, there you go. So I could say that is very creative. Like you said, it's done in real time, the animation, how you get a mixture there. I can yeah. testify, being that I have seen the show, very creative but is that the probably the biggest shock for you and tell me if i'm wrong for speaking would you being able to combine animatronics and animation well it's not so much a shock as it is just a um well when you it, think back at, to everything you got all the advancements since you started your career yeah it's well it's it's certainly the most um uh sort of uh what's the word extensible <laughs> uh it, it, we can do all sorts of um things with that that you really can't do um with other types of uh of uh, puppeteering 
Um, although, you know, let's face it, every type of puppeteering has its is fun in its own way. Um, that's one of the great things I love about it. It's just it's just a fun job. I get to go in and wag my dollies for <laughs> and uh, and uh, and just have a lot of fun with it. Um, and, and it pays the bills. <laughs> and it pays the bills, unbelievably. Um, <laughs> all those years ago, when I decided to go into physics first, I thought, well, it's the, the logical thing to do. And it turns out, eh, not so much. <laughs> well, you mentioned about your father being a professional musician and all. Yeah. And I, I want to backtrack here for a second before I forget. Sure. Did it surprise them when you wanted to incorporate drama into your degrees and fine arts? I suppose. Arts and- I, 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 yeah, I don't know. Um, if it was surprise as much as it is like, really? Uh, <laughs> you can't make a living doing that. Um, but having a father who was a performing artist and me saying, I want to become a performing artist, they they could hardly say no. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember, you know, when I was at college making that phone call and saying, well, you know, folks, I think I want to I want to be an actor. I want to train and and really pursue this. Um, And um, they they said, well, all right, look, we're not going to stop you. uh, But um, maybe you should at least, you know, make sure you get your degree in physics. So you have it's the standard line. All parents say you'll have something to fall back on. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, obviously I never never did <laughs> but it was uh it was a i guess a, a safety net somehow i don't know there's not much you can do with a bachelor's degree in in physics <laughs> but um uh i'm glad i finished it i was always interested in in learning i always enjoyed learning and i always enjoyed the subject specifically so um it was a great uh you know, kept me busy in college. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure it's something, and I don't know if you have kids or whatnot. Hey, get yourself something to fall back on. Yeah. Yeah. But yet grandpa made a living in the performing arts. Dad has made a living in a performing arts. You know what I mean? And so it's like a, well, with with my older son, it was, it was sort of the opposite. Um, he is a, a talented musician. And um, he, he was in a band. He's been in a band essentially since high school. He's in his early 30s now. Um, and um, you know, one band or another. But he decided after college to, to go to law school. And he's now an attorney working with the state of California. But thanks to the pandemic, um, he's got a whole recording studio in, in his apartment in his in his home and uh he's putting out his like second or third album uh pretty soon so uh you know um that type of creative output if you really uh if you're really drawn to it and you um and you listen to it you don't sort of bury it uh it's great Um, whether or not you make a living at it yeah yeah exactly 
whether or not you can make a living at it doesn't really matter. It's it's the fact that you enjoy it. You know, exactly. Matters. As far as the animatronics and stuff. Yeah. And I know that was a new thing when they came out with that show, Dinosaurs. And Pretty which much. is, yeah. And which has since been re-released, I know, on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. So what's that like to have a new whole new generation exposed to something like that? Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, I, my wife and I are making our way through the whole series now. Um, and it's, it's, first of all, it's just an incredible show, regardless of who worked on it. Um, it because of the writing was just so fantastic. But um, uh, it's, when I go to the conventions now, it's usually these horror conventions. Yeah. Um, but I'll have photos there from dinosaurs also. And invariably, people will walk by my table and they'll sort of brush past a lot of, if, if they don't know who I am necessarily, they brush past the tar man stuff and they, they always will light on the dinosaur photos and go, oh, I remember that show, not the mama or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's just so rewarding, um, uh, having people, you know, talk about how it was, uh, such a part of their, their childhood, essentially how they grew up with it. Um, and how for some people, they, they were a child when it was on the air, but they watch it now on Disney plus as an adult. And it's like a totally different show. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing so, how different shows are like that. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, always something that um, I appreciate when, when a show can work on uh, two levels like that. My last show was, was like that, The Barbarian and the Troll on Nickelodeon. You don't associate a show on Nickelodeon with anything that might be appealing to adults, but that show was really made by adults for adults, but it just, it, it had a childlike sensibility so well if we want to go on that note i would actually say spongebob would fit that too if you think about exactly it. it's yeah, exactly. for kids but there's a lot of stuff for adults as well that you go mm, okay yep. i like that yeah yeah exactly. you tolerate if you're watching with youngsters yeah well yeah you i've mentioned it in the introduction you just hit on it with the visiting conventions can you believe all these years later, 30, 35 years, whatever it's been, that you are still talking about Tarman? <laughs> no, I mean, I never, I never thought anything like that would happen. I remember uh, going to, I believe it was the 20th anniversary screening of the film. This is, I hadn't talk to anybody about it i didn't know there was a uh, i didn't know it had become this like cult film until i believe it was the um cinematheque in la uh which at that time was at the uh the old egyptian theater the uh um and they did a 20th anniversary screening and they had invited uh some of the cast members for a q a afterwards and um, I just bought a ticket and went. They didn't invite me because I, you know, my face wasn't on the screen. Um, but I went, I bought a ticket and I went down and um, 
and talk to them before the screening. And they were like, oh my God, you've totally got to join us for the Q&A. And I'm like, no, no, nobody cares about guitar, man. What are you, they don't, they don't know who I am. They don't know me from Adam. I said, no, really, you got to come down. And so they pulled up another chair and they brought me down. And I, you know, we were, I talked with them afterwards and it was like, wow, I had no idea this movie turned into this, um, uh, had, you know, took on this life of its own kind of. And since that time, uh, I started doing uh, conventions with them and we became like a little traveling family. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, we're not all uh, around anymore, but um, it was, uh, it's, uh, it's always fun seeing them uh, at the, these uh, reunion events. And you know what's funny? Return of the Living Dead is on my list as a podcast we've done since last year with the pandemic and everything. But we're still going to continue with them because the fans seem to have fun with them. Virtual watch-alongs. Oh, nice. With, with guests from the different movies and whatnot. But I didn't host the one I watched would return, but I know the person who did with Linnea Quigley. Okay. And that's a, that was the first time I seen the movie last year. Oh. And I noticed from other seeing other films and some of my favorites and, and just doing what we do here. But it's so interesting watching like in the chat room of these virtual watch alongs or the post movie Q and a with the talent. Yeah. And a special guest. It's just amazing how in depth the fans look at these different projects. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure you see this at conventions as well. If you do panels, oh, or sure. Q &As, and it's like, they give you such a different perspective on certain things within the project. Oh yeah. So many of the fans have seen all of the DVD extras. Um, they, they're more expert. They know more about it than I do. I mean, I only worked like a week or two on the film. <laughs> um, and I had a, you know, a, a helmet over my head most of the time. <laughs> so I didn't know what was going on, but um, uh, it's always uh, fun uh, talking to the fans at these events um sometimes it's the same question over and over and that's fine but every now and then we get some interesting questions that nobody's ever asked uh some real thoughtful um uh, questions and um we're always happy to to talk about it exactly and i'm curious to know as far as the script you saw yeah compared to say marching orders you may have had from the director dan uh did that vary much from you know no. as, so, as someone who's trained in acting yeah uh no it didn't um i know the uh the the main performers were all um uh rehearsed for uh, they rehearsed for two weeks before filming began which is never done anymore um and that's how they got that great ensemble feel where they could over talk and improvise and, um, and um, they would be able to change uh, dialogue every now and then, which is unusual, especially for uh, writer directors who very often treat all of their words like sacred, you know, like a Bible kind of thing. Yeah. 
Uh, but Dan wasn't like that. Um, with me, however, I, I was not included in that rehearsal process because let's face it, I'm not, <laughs> I, I really shouldn't have any relationship with them beforehand. I'm, I'm the other, you know? Um, and, uh, but so for me, it was, it had to, you know, it wasn't like there was a lot of uh, line readings <laughs> that he gave me. I only had the one line over and over again, and it was pretty uh, obvious how that, you know, needed to go. But just so uh, my working with Dan was more about the blocking and the business, what we're what I was doing physically, because it's a physical character. Um, it was almost like directing a silent movie you know, character. Uh, so, it, but it was very straightforward. It's like, I knew what I had to do in the script. And it's like, I walked in and he goes, okay, you're standing here. You come out here, you stand here, you hit this mark, you grab this winch, you do this. It's okay, let's roll. And I remember it all going pretty quickly. Well, overall, and yes, it's, I don't know if it would be Kitzer cult classic, but yeah, this thing's got legs of its own. That's for sure. Yeah. But on a bigger scope here, and I don't want to keep you forever, but at, from your training as an actor from drama and everything else, yeah, you did some costume work with Tarman, but the mm -hmm. animatronics and just the whole kit and caboodle voiceover work. I'm curious to know, are you a guy that is like, you kind of hit it there as far as scripts being, at least from writer-director perspective, the word is gospel, that, like what you see on the script is end-all, be-all, or are you a guy that likes to go, well, how about we try this, or why don't we try that, depending on the character you're trying to portray? Yeah, it depends on the project. Um, now, I you know, I trained as an actor, as, uh, on, and I've, I have professional stage experience also. When you do stage work, the script really is the Bible. Uh, you're, uh, the production licenses the script as is, and you're not allowed to change any of the words. The playwright has the last say on the on dialogue, uh, unless you're working with you know something in the public domain. So uh, I was trained early on to mine text for clues to character and and all of that and motivation. Uh, and to take the text as a given. But um, for television, let's say, especially on a, on a series, if, if, you're, uh, if I have a, a, my own character that I'm doing, then after a while, I become almost just as, just as expert on what my character would say as, as any of the writers. Um, now, you know, the writers responsibility is more than just my dialogue, obviously. Uh, it has to do with story. But for example, on uh, The Barbarian and the Troll, we would, um, if we had any concerns at all about, um, uh, gee, I think this scene could be a little funnier or boy, I, I this one reaction I have just seems like a sour note or uh, or I, maybe I, I don't have a reaction here, but I should, because that's something that he would, you know, react to that gut feeling and, about the, character. yeah. yeah. So, uh, that input was, was appreciated. 
And we would um, sometimes rewrite half a scene uh, <laughs> or sections, little sections of scenes um, and uh, make them better. Um, so it, it really depends on the project. Well, would you say most writers were appreciative of your suggestion pending the character you were playing? Um, yeah, if you do it the right way. <laughs> you yeah, don't want to go in. There's that dance you got to do on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't want to go in uh, for an audition and make suggestions on the script because that's not what they're hiring you for. <laughs> but um, if uh, I remember, for example, on Dinosaurs, I was a lot younger. I, I, it was my first big prime time network series i was grateful just to be working so i didn't um i didn't want to rock the boat too much and i was still you know recalling my actor training where i just took the script and i made it work um but if i had an idea um i would pitch it i would tell i would just talk to the director and i'd say hey i got an idea what if he she says this instead. And usually it was, it was small things and only had to do with my character. I would never pitch dialogue for other characters because I felt that would, you know, be stepping on other people's toes. It was a little different with the barbarian and the troll. We were much more of an ensemble there and we would, we would pitch whole different endings for scenes or directions for scenes. And uh, we would, come up with ideas for each other. And it was really quite collaborative that way. Um, not that the, you know, we didn't change a tremendous amount of any one script, but when a scene we felt just wasn't resonating right, we would, uh, we would all work on it. And it was, it was a great feeling that way. Um, so yeah, you gotta, you gotta play the room, you know, you got, <laughs> it depends how, uh, what your relationship is with the, um, with the writers um and uh and how you uh how you ask well that and i would think too and like you said where dinosaurs was earlier in career compared to barbarian and all that you know it's two different stages of your career where very maybe much you so. have where i would think maybe you have a little more credibility towards the later series where you could say yeah luckily it was more of an ensemble piece but you can say hey you know you have that credibility where yeah you know, where, yeah i think the older you get the more experience you have the more i don't know i want to say respect you you've earned <laughs> yeah and so uh, if you had an opinion your opinion is valued uh you know until you get even older and then probably everybody just starts ignoring you i suppose <laughs> uh, i don't just, know <laughs> let, let's oblige the old man in the corner that's yeah, fine. yeah. i haven't yeah. gotten to that point yet thank <laughs> yeah goodness. we're not the, okay alan no problem yeah yeah so, what the hell are we listening to that guy well, okay boomer him? whatever yeah exactly <laughs> where can people find you uh online whether it be website or any of that and do you have any upcoming conventions? Because I know you said you do some of those as well. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm online at alantroutman.com. That's my website. It's A-L-L-A-N-T-R-A-U-T-M-A-N. Um, uh, uh, Facebook. I've got two Facebook uh, presences. I have one personal, 
but uh, timeline, but I also have a, uh, a professional page. They're both called Alan Troutman. Um, but if you go to my page, then you can uh, like me and follow me there. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, I am going to be where? In uh, Sacramento. Uh, it's actually Roseville, uh, California, outside of Sacramento, on August 15th, next month. So if you're in the Northern California area, um, uh, come on down. I'll be there for one day only uh, for the Sinister Creatures uh, Convention. Well, you know what? I want to ask this before I let you go, because I just thought about it when I asked that question. Yeah. And I like to have full disclosure to everybody. And when I re originally reached out to Alan, he was actually getting ready to travel to Pennsylvania because they did a return of the living dead weekend. So I'm curious oh, yeah. to know, how did that show go in Pen oh, Western Pennsylvania? It was great. It was the uh, living dead weekend. This is a show they do every year, although they didn't do it last year, obviously. So I think there was a lot of pent up demand. And it was very well attended. Um, it was uh, really, really busy. Um, and um, normally it's, it's devoted to the, uh, the George Romero canon movies, you know, The Return of the Living Dead and um, uh, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. Um, the Return of the Living Dead, I'm sorry, Night of the Living Dead was the first one. <laughs> Um, Return of the Living Dead is always sort of a, uh, a cousin because uh, George Romero wasn't involved in that. And so uh, they, they had never um, devoted any um, resources to uh, that at the Living Dead weekend. But they did that this weekend, this past event. Um, and boy, it was, um, it was a rip snorter. Uh, they treated us like royalty. We were so well taken care of and all the fans were so appreciative and, uh, fun to talk with. It was, uh, it was a great experience except getting there was tough because the airlines were totally bamboozled by the sudden surge in um, airline traffic. And they just didn't have the personnel ready and the flights ready. So I ended up getting stuck overnight at uh, Dallas, Fort Worth. But um, other than that, everything went great. Oh, I know. I just traveled last week to do some taping and all, but it's fun. I had to ask because, well, with that, and I, I noticed final, final here, jumping into shows like that again, conventions and all, did you have any concerns with, it being out in public and interacting with fans again. Oh yeah, of course. Now I'm fully vaccinated. So likewise. So yeah, I'm not too worried uh, because um, I mean, yeah, I can still get sick, but uh, the vaccines are designed to prevent you from going into the hospital and dying, which is, you know, the important thing. Um, I don't mind if I get some sniffles, um, but when you're at a convention, you know, normally it's like, shaking people's hands all the time and standing next to them. You're in a small space. Everybody's breathing together. So I wore a face mask when I wasn't um, get, taking pictures um, and I didn't shake hands anymore. It's all elbow bumps now. But other than that, um, 
I just decided to have a good time. There you go. AlanTrotman.com. Check them out. Also find them on social media. Alan, thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, I know we have a lot of horror fans that listen to our shows, and I know things have been tough for everybody across the board these past six or seven months with what's been going on in the real world, but I wanted to make a suggestion to you horror fans, because I know part of the normal routine year in and year out is to attend different conventions to meet some of your favorite horror stars. However, none of us have been able to do that because of obvious reasons. But I do have a little suggestion for you. SignatureHorror.com Now, some may ask, what is that? Well, they obtain autographs for the fans from some of their favorite stars, from some of their favorite franchises. Whether it be the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and many more. They have different options such as, besides getting their autographs, you can do live Zoom calls with your favorite stars. You can do personalized videos for people, greetings of some sort. They just have many options. So if you're looking for to spend some money that you may have spent at conventions, check them out and see the options they have signaturedhorror.com that's right signaturehorror.com hey out there in radio land this is amanda verse and you are listening to crazy train radio love and marriage love and marriage go together like a horse and carriage this i tell you brother